Welcome to Murder in the Air Mystery Theater. I'm your host, Lori Fagan. In this podcast series, I'll interview authors who will then read their mystery, suspense, or thriller short stories or a chapter from their published books. In addition, sprinkled throughout the coming weeks, the podcast will feature radio theater-style sections from the audiobooks for my three crime fiction novels. There will be prizes, too, so stick around to the end to find out how to enter. Financial advisor by day, Howard Russell, also known as Howard Gershkowitz, has written two fiction novels, the latest, a medical thriller, Not on My Watch. He will read from that book in a few minutes. Welcome to Murder in the Air Mystery Theater, Howard. Thank you so much, Laurie. I really appreciate the opportunity to share with you today. Well, you are a poet as well, plus you write in your journal daily and you're writing mysteries. Are there any particular challenges with writing in all those different genres? No, I've always kept a journal for most of my life anyway, and I've always written poetry. Um, I've written and published some short stories as well, but uh, novels are a different beast altogether. They take quite a bit of time, and of course, they require re-editing, rewriting, rewriting, re-editing, uh, and it, it's amazing the amount of time it takes to complete a novel and have it ready to publish. That is very true. And while I was reading this latest book, I had to jot down a couple of great lines that I loved from Not On My Watch, such as, here's one, five o'clock jumped up like an overdue bill. And the other one I wrote down was, you no longer need to be paranoid to believe someone is watching you. Those are great lines. How do you come up with things like that? Well, quite often, they're simply things that I thought of when I was writing my journal, and I just wait for the opportunity in my novels or short stories to use them. Uh, I have uh, quite a few of them written out, and uh, like I said, I just wait for the opportunity. So you write them in the journal, so they're there, and you go back and say, ooh, I can use that. Exactly. I never know when I'm going to use it. Sometimes a line just comes to me, or I, I hear something similar and, and write my own version of it. And like I said, I just keep them in there, and every so often it says, oh, wait a minute, I got the perfect spot for that. That's great. That's great. Okay, talk a little bit more about your writing process. What's uh, the best time for you to write? Well, actually, I write two times per day. I do a lot of my journaling and creative writing early in the morning. I'm an early riser, so by five o'clock, I'm down at the park and have my book open, and I actually handwrite at that time of day. I find that the best way to come up with creative ideas. Then in the afternoon, once I'm done with my work, I'll find a nice coffee shop someplace. That's where I'll do most of my editing and revising because I'm too tired to create at that point. That makes sense. What is the most surprising thing you've discovered about writing? Um, it's very cathartic. Uh, a lot of the stuff that I've written uh, comes from my journal and comes from earlier parts of my life. And it's always interesting to take a look at what you did 5, 10, even 20 years ago. And now you have a completely different perspective on it. So it's just kind of interesting to see how you saw things 20 years ago and how they look today. So what are you working on next, Howard? Uh, my next novel is written and is actually in the process of being edited before uh, submitting to my publisher. It's called Special Delivery. It has to do with a young man who is in love with a young woman up in Fargo, North Dakota. Uh, she's a snowbird and he gets a package in Tempe, um, which he 
instead of forwarding to her, decides he's going to personally deliver it. He's going to drive up there and he runs into nothing but trouble the whole way. <laughs> Good. That sounds great. Okay. Why don't you give us a little bit of your setup for your selection and then read from Not On My Watch. This particular book started out as a short story. I was in a Starbucks uh, at um, uh, Barnes & Noble here in Chandler. And I happened to see a magazine rack with the magazine cover, a young woman there. And I said, I wonder what it would be like to meet her. And that was the genre of the book. It wasn't until later uh, that I read an article about Medicare fraud in New Jersey that I put the two together and said, well, what if she's a nurse and she's trying to stop Medicare fraud from occurring at her facility? And that's how the whole thing began. And I'm just going to be reading from the very first chapter uh, where it all starts. Chapter one. Dateline, Boston, Massachusetts, September 8th, 2021. In other noteworthy news, C&C and Associates, the local medical powerhouse, has announced plans for another acquisition, this time in Texas. The merger, announced jointly today in the Boston Herald and Dallas Times, will be the 11th major hospital chain to join the ever-growing empire of CEO and former corporate raider Delbert Carter. Dr. Harry Steinem, head of personnel for the conglomerate, spoke to reporters at a press conference at their downtown headquarters. We are pleased to welcome Dallas General to our growing family of community-based facilities. Known for their long-standing commitment to superior treatment standards and charitable outreach programs, they represent the type of facility that CNC is excited to partner with. Asked about growing concerns in the industry about consolidations and declining levels of service to the poor and underinsured, Steinem commented, We are committed to helping those who can't help themselves. When pressed about disturbing reports in communities already served in CNC's affiliates, Steinem waved a stack of satisfaction surveys, claiming they contradicted the claims. Anyone can download these forms from our corporate website and see for themselves. We provide only the finest care to our patients. Steinem indicated more acquisitions were already in the works, the next one likely to be in the Southwest once again. CNC stock closed at a new yearly high today in heavy trading on the New York Stock Exchange. Trouble walked in, wearing high heels and attitude. Shoulder-length brown hair framed her smooth, high cheekbones. Stopping well shy of the register, she scanned the tables as if looking for someone to buy her a drink. When her eyes caught mine, they lingered a second too long. A half-smile creased her lips, disappearing so quickly I was unsure I saw it at all. Strolling casually to the periodicals rack, she picked up a Vogue and began browsing. I sipped my coffee and tried refocusing on the journal article in front of me but there'd been something unsettling in her glance. Was I supposed to respond? Offer to wait in line so she wouldn't have to? If this were a bar with its clear unspoken rules, the choice would be easy. I was unaware of such protocols at Starbucks, however, especially ones located inside a bookstore on a rainy September afternoon. I folded the paper and laid it down. Her dark, walnut-brown eyes stayed glued to whatever page she turned to, her long lashes barely blinking. She wore a white silk blouse and dark blue knee-length skirt, which showcased her slim figure and shapely legs. 
Without warning, she looked up and her eyes met once more. Flashing another quick half-smile, she replaced the magazine in its rack and strode past me, the scent of Chanel mingling with the soothing aromas of cappuccinos and lattes. I watched, transfixed, as she entered the bookstore, ambling down the nutrition aisle, fingers lightly caressing the shelves. Suddenly disinterested in the slowdown in international gold production or the market turmoil due to the aftermath of a nationwide shutdown, I followed her. There was something familiar in her smile, but what? Michelle never smiled at me like that, nor Helen, nor any of the half dozen others since the divorce. I racked my brain trying to place her. College? No, I was still too married and too naive. My internship at Smith Wesley Securities, that would have made sense, but by then I was too devastated by the divorce to even consider finding someone new. She crossed into the relationship section where self-help titles like what to look for in a woman's eyes, how to interpret her body language, and how to get laid every night of the week and twice on Sundays were prominently displayed. These were all written by self-anointed experts, of course, who never had any of those problems. They're about as useful as a Stephen Hawking physics book. They make perfect sense, but the minute you try to practice their techniques, you trip over your own ineptitude and fall, face first, into a black hole, never to be heard from again. Lost in thought, I nearly tripped over a stroller with a sleeping infant as it intersected my path. Appearing from the aisle between cooking and early childhood development, I apologized, but only got a scowl from the young mother as she picked up her crying baby. Pivoting to see where my mysterious lady disappeared to, I found her standing several steps away, facing me with arms crossed and a broad smile on her face. She obviously witnessed my close encounter with infanticide, and I couldn't help but smile as well. Holding my hands out to the side, I shrugged to acknowledge my embarrassment and closed the distance between us. Hi, Stephen. Long time no see. The smile fled from my lips. Nearby, a gigantic black hole started yawning at me. You don't remember me, do you? No, I didn't. I would never have forgotten this woman, this symphony in silk. Yet, Something about her voice. I'm so sorry, I replied. Do we know each other? I'm Donna. Donna Schubel. From high school, remember? I didn't. The name swirled around in my brain, but I kept drawing a blank. Think civics class. Civics class? There was no one like there. Wait. Donna? As in... Dirigible Donna? The one who was always first for lunch, and first for seconds, and the only one for thirds? I recovered as best I could. Donna? Yes, of course. I remember you. You've... You've changed. I didn't recognize you. It's some... She gently laid her hand on my shoulder. It's okay. I didn't mean to shock you. It is kind of fun, though, running into old classmates... In fact, I was back in New York a few months ago and ran into Chad. He actually asked me out on a date. Chad? 
as in Chad Johnson. He was a jock, as I recalled, and voted most popular. He was also a qualified jerk. Uh-huh. I let him take me to dinner and a show. Why? I thought you hated his guts. Still do. I guess I'm confused. He whined and dined me like a perfect gentleman. Then he took me back to his place and started getting amorous. I waited for her to go on. Instead, she pulled a compact and tube of lip gloss out of her purse and touched up her makeup. Only after she'd put them away, clicking her handbag shut, did she continue the story. I pulled out a pamphlet from my purse on anal sex. I handed it to him and suggested he practice fucking himself. Then I left. What? I said loudly. A middle-aged couple perusing books in the marriage counseling section turned to stare. What? I repeated quietly. Oh, you would have enjoyed the look on his face. In fact, it's kind of how you look right now. She was playing with me, but there was nothing I could do about it. Nevertheless, I took comfort in imagining Chad, mouth open, eyes wide, as the door slammed shut behind her. I'd been the foil to many of his practical jokes, so I didn't feel badly he'd been hoodwinked at his own game. I tried to think of something clever to say, but all I could do was shift my weight nervously from side to side. I was hoping she'd say something else, but she just stood there patiently, waiting for me to speak next. More people passed by, and a teenager texting on his smartphone nearly ran me over. He broke my concentration, and as I moved out of his way, it occurred to me that Donna could have done the exact same thing to me if she'd wanted to. Keeping her identity to herself, she could have let me take her out on an expensive meal, then left me holding the pamphlet, so to speak. I regained a measure of composure. You're right. I would have enjoyed seeing him squirm. He treated you so horribly. He treated you like shit, as I recall. Didn't he nickname you Spaz because you got cut from the baseball team? I winced. I'd totally forgotten that ineffable term of endearment until just now. Would you like to buy a girl a cup of coffee, she asked, changing the subject. We can sit and talk, and you can fill me in on what you've been doing all these years. Don't let this go to your head, but I always wondered where you ended up after graduation. She flashed another of those dazzling smiles, and her suddenly soft brown eyes totally disarmed me. Despite the little voice in my head whispering, run for your life, I heard myself saying, sure, I wouldn't mind catching up. She took my arm and we paraded back into Starbucks, past the table where I'd been sitting. Both of us ignored the round of stares that accompanied our return. After buying a skinny vanilla latte for her and a cappuccino for myself, we made our way to a table in the back corner of the store where the foot traffic was lightest. Somewhere out there, a black hole with my name on it was biding its time. And that is Howard Russell reading from Not On My Watch, a medical thriller about Medicare fraud, something you don't read a lot about uh, these days. It's a great book with a number of twists throughout. Thanks so much for being on the show, Howard. Thank you, Laurie, for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. 
Howard Gershkowitz is on Facebook as Howard Russell and on Instagram at Gershrider1929. His website is gershrider.com and all the info is in the show notes. Join us next time on episode number six, where you'll hear more radio-style theater from the audiobook Frightful Funhouse. And on episode seven, Cheryl Cocroft will be here to talk about her contemporary fiction, Spokane Words. If you are listening on the podcast platform of your choice, please subscribe and leave a review or provide us with some feedback. If you're on YouTube at Read Lori Fagan, please subscribe, give us a thumbs up, and click on the bell to be notified when a new episode has been released. And for more freebies, check out our Patreon page at Murder in the Air Mystery Theater. Remember I mentioned prizes? At the end of each of these Murder in the Air podcasts, we'll have a drawing for a prize from those who follow Read Lori Fagan on Facebook or Instagram. And in the comment, write murder to be entered in a drawing. We'll have drawings for free ebooks, chances to win your name in a novel, and other fun items. So go to Facebook or Instagram, follow Read Lori Fagan, and write murder in the comment. For more information, you can visit readlaurifagan.com. Thanks so much for listening, and come back again for more Murder in the Air. Murder in the Air.